Thank you so much for tuning in to our church podcast. You can go to atarapentecost.com for questions about services and how to donate. We pray that you are blessed by this message today. God bless. I'm not sure I can even preach or should preach after that. Amen. But we're going to, we'll see how it goes here. Hallelujah. Appreciate everybody here today. and Amen. All right, we're going to call your attention to Book of Acts, chapter number 1. We're going to read verses 21 and 22. And I'm uh, going to ask them to turn them track lights way down if they would. Acts chapter 1, 21 and 22. Therefore, of these men who have accompanied us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John to that day when he was taken up from us, one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. Amen. And we'll, we're just going to read that uh, to start things off here today. And, and uh, amen. This is something that I've been thinking about here for last week or so, and I hesitated whether to try to speak on it today after yesterday's events, so, but nevertheless, we'll give it a shot here. I'd like to preach to you this morning on this thought, called and chosen, called and chosen. And if you would lift your heart one more time here, I'm going to ask Brother McCune if he would please pray, amen, and uh, we'll go ahead, Brother McCune, if you would. Amen. All right, you may be seated, and uh, we'll rush to get through this here. Amen. We read to you the account of two men. Imagine this. Two men called to fill the office of the 12th apostle. Okay, now these weren't, pardon the expression, self-proclaimed apostles. This was the real deal. Okay. They had certain qualifications and can't even get my mind around the what would go on in both Justice and Matthias. I'll just call him Matt, okay? What must have been going on through their minds? They had spent the last three years and... We know that they've already met these qualifications or they would not have been called to take the place of Judas. But they had already witnessed the miraculous in every dimension that you could possibly think of. They'd been there for all 37 miracles or whatever, there, however there, there was, all of the parables, all the teaching. 
the blind eyes, the deaf ears, the lame legs, walking on water, you name it. They had been there, and they had been there on three separate occasions when the Lord called people back from the dead. They had been there. And now they were called on to step in and fill the gap that was vacant by, of course, Judas. Let me just throw this out there. For every Judas, there is a mat in waiting. For every Saul, there's a David that's in waiting. God's not blind. You don't catch... People don't catch him by surprise. He's already got the plan in action. He's, he's ready to go. You drop the ball, he's ready to plug somebody in. And so here they were. They're, the only thing that we know of at this point in time, they're in a prayer meeting. 120 of them. They're in a prayer meeting. The church really has not been birthed yet. The day of Pentecost has not. Come, the Holy Ghost has not came upon them at this point. Their qualifications were that they must have been an eyewitness of the ministry of Jesus from his point of baptism to his ascension. Wow, qualifications. No, as far as I know, okay, we don't know what kind of upbringing. We don't know what kind of education either one of these men had. But from what I understand here in reading, it wasn't their skill level that brought them to that place. It wasn't their education that had brought them to this place. You know what it was? It was their real-life experience with the relationship that they had had with Jesus Christ himself. That was their qualifier. I believe it's still the qualifier. And so both men had been called, Matt and Justice. And we know the story. They, they prayed, they sought the will of God, and then the Bible says they cast lots, and I don't know if that was the first election or not. I'm not exactly sure what that means. You can read and study and all of that kind of stuff. But the Bible says justice was not, he was called, but he wasn't chosen, and the lot fell to Matt, and there was Matt filling in the gap. Now, we're not talking about a presbyter position, Brother Woods, or a Sunday school or, you know, ladies. No, no. We're talking about the highest calling on planet Earth sitting at the table with the 12 chosen apostles of God in flesh. Whoa. There is no higher calling. No higher calling. And there is no higher calling. 
than your experience and your relationship with Jesus Christ, the God whom we worship in spirit and truth. There is no, there is no other higher calling in life than you being called to the table of redemption to a place where God he wants to save you and He wants to put inside of you something that you have been waiting for. I wonder how both of these men reacted. <laughs> wow. Can you imagine being chosen? And I wonder, boy, what did justice feel like? He was rejected. Whoa. You share something with you and Reject. You ever felt rejected? You got to, you, you, you didn't quite qualify? You didn't quite meet the requirements? Let me share something with you. 1995, I received a phone call from Sister Tiny Crosley. Her husband had passed away, Brother Crosley had passed away, and she invited me to come and preach in Spokane and meet the church board to consider coming to Spokane and possibility of becoming the new pastor. Sister Kathleen's the only one that can amen this. Autumn's not in the building, I don't think. And so I asked and received permission from my pastor. We drove to Spokane, went through the initial process with flying colors, and, whoa, it just, it looked like it was going to, looks like it was going to fit. And uh, I was told to wait for a phone call once the decision had been made. I was so certain this was going to happen. And it was confirmed, I thought, a few days later when I received a phone call from my brother John, my older brother. He was not aware of anything that was going on in my life. Would you say amen, Kathleen, for me? So they don't think that I'm making this up. He shared with me a dream that he had had in which I was standing in front of a small church and it was snowing outside and he went on to tell me he thought that location was Spokane. Now he used to operate a restaurant in Spokane, Richville, and Sunnyside. We had no prior conversation as to what was going on in my life, especially as far as ministry, and I responded by sharing what was going on in my life of the possibility of going to Spokane. I said, you got to be kidding me, John. I thought, man, whew, this is going to happen. How could it not and I received a phone call a few days later and was informed that there was another minister that Sister Crosley had called who lived in Indiana, some fellow by the name of Brother Andrew King. 
whom I didn't know. And I thought, well, there ain't no way you guys got to move from Indiana and come to Spokane. And besides, you know, it's just going my way. And then I got a, it would, I was surprised and stunned because I got a call a few days later and they said, well, if you ever talk to Tiny Crosley, you know, she says, well, Brother Knowles, we, you know, we decided to let Brother Andrew come. Ooh, I was absolutely stunned. I was like, what? And I felt rejected. I felt not good enough, unqualified. I had failed the test of what I thought God was calling me. Brother Andrew comes from a pretty good line of preachers. Dad's been Beaverton forever and a day. And I kind of went into a dark place, but I kept on praying and asking for understanding. I'd been called, but not chosen. It was about a week later I received another call. This came from our Washington State superintendent. Calling me, asking me, he said, Hey, Brother Knowles, would you be willing to go to Sunnyside and assume a home missions work there? Initially, I thought for a fleeting moment, really, why would anybody want to go to Sunnyside? <laughs> Have you ever taken a whiff as you drive by? The dairy farmers say that's money. I don't say that it's money. And I don't know Spanish. But I chose to say yes. And somewhere around December 5th or 6th, 1996, we drove to Sunnyside to visit the location that Brother Schoonover had set up and he had been using on Sunday mornings to meet for Bible studies. And we pull up to the book, this Bible bookstore in Sunnyside and I says to Kathleen, boy, this building sure looks familiar. I said, kind of looks like my brother John's old restaurant. And it was called Breckwood back in the day. And I said, boy, it sure looks like it. We go inside we talked to the owner about continuing to use the basement on Sunday. She said, yeah. And then I asked her, I says, ma'am, did this place used to be a restaurant? She says, oh, yeah. She says, it used to be called the Breckwood. Would you believe it was snowing outside? Would you believe the location was on 6th and Grant Street? Would you believe I took a snow shovel and I went out there and I started shoveling the walks and then I called my brother John and I said, 
Hey, man, guess where I am? You remember that dream you had? I says, I'm standing in front of your old restaurant fixing to have church tomorrow morning, and I'm outside here shoveling snow. I says, but it's not Spokane, it's in Sunnyside. I was stunned. This time, I had been called and chosen. I'd learned something during that time. I was never going to be good enough. Somebody was always going to be better. Somebody's always going to be better, Bradley. Somebody's always—you you look like a pretty tough guy, all right. But somebody's always going to be tougher. Somebody's always going to be smarter, even if Brother Long does have a almost a PhD, but not quite. But we do have a doctor out there in the crowd. But somebody's somebody's always going to be smarter than you sister smith and brother long somebody's always going to be a better candidate out there somebody's always going to be a better youth leader brother colton don't ever think so then but you know what i learned and let me just say this that you may be here today Matthias and Justice, they had spent their whole entire life to get to the place of their calling that particular day. Incidentally, we don't hear anything from either one of them again. There's conjecture, there's writings about them, but that's not the point, you see. I want, to, I want to encourage somebody this morning that you may feel that you have been rejected from whoever. You may have a broken relationship that somebody cast you off or You may have a job opportunity that somebody more qualified seems to be getting the upper hand. But I can tell you that if you're faithful to God, if you keep believing Him, if you keep praying Him, I'm telling you, there's a second call that's coming your way, and he's going to make things right in your life. He didn't bring you here just to leave you feeling like you're not qualified enough to be a part of his plan for your life. He's brought you here, not just calling you to this place, but he has chosen you. You don't have to feel rejected. He was the one that was rejected for you. They had spent their entire life getting to that place on that day. I don't think for a moment that justice walked away 
feeling rejected. Are you kidding me? He had already been called. He had already, he had been everywhere that Matt had been. He had been there when Lazarus came back from the dead. He had been there when they fed the 5,000 with the, a couple of fish. He had been there when the lame guy got up and ran around and when the blinded eye, he had been there. There was no regret rejection in that man. I believe that he still hung out with the crowd. I believe that he still did everything that he was called to do. He just wasn't chosen to fill that particular place at that particular time. Can I tell you this morning, the only qualifier that you have to be a called one into this kingdom of God is a, it's a very simple one. You got to be a sinner. That's all. You, in order to be, in order to qualify for this great gospel, you just got to be a sinner. Oh, they had been through it all. They'd been there. They, they'd been to Calvary. They'd been, oh, they, they went to the tomb when it was sealed. But they were also a little bit later on when the tomb was unsealed. They had seen him. The qualifier was they had seen the risen Savior alive and well. And then they seen him as he ascended back into the place that he came from. I think they were doing a happy dance. You see, I found out during that time period... It's okay not to be a part of the spiritual elite. They tell me I'm in the top 20% health-wise of 60-plus, which maybe that percentage has increased a little bit more than I'm at the top of the 60s. I don't know. They tell me I'm 20%. There's 80, 80% is worse off than me. I don't know. Whatever. I'm convinced that I'm probably 20%. I'm in that 20% bracket when it comes to reading. <laughs> but here's the thing. Solomon said, excessive study of books makes one weary. Paul says, physical exercise is of a limited value. But godliness, he says, is valuable in every way. He says, your pursuit of Jesus is valuable for the present life and even for the one to come. The key is that I need to keep in the top 20% spiritually. You know why? Because we know the old Pareto principle or whatever they call it. 
They say the top 20% of the people earn 80% of the money and enjoy 80% of the riches and rewards. I just want to be in the top 20% spiritually so I can reap 80% of what you or somebody leaves on the table. I want to get it. A couple of years ago, I had a phone call from family that used to come to this church, and they moved back south, and and uh, she says, you know, Pastor, I, I need to call you. I says, okay, what's up? She says, well, my son says he's, he's number two in, I think it was his military class or his college class getting ready to go. She says, my son... Uh, is number two, and he has given up. He does not want to be number one. I said, what? She says, yeah, because he explained to me the reason is he said he did not want the responsibility of being number one, nor the burden of everybody expecting him to be number one in other things the rest of his life. Listen, the Bible says we are to pursue perfection. You're never going to get there. There's always somebody better off than you are. There's There's always somebody that prays better than you. There's always somebody that worships better than you. There's always somebody that teaches better, that preaches better. But you know what? That doesn't disqualify me because at the end of the day, guess what? We're all getting the same penny. That's right. It didn't matter if they started on the third hour or the 11th hour. We all got the same penny. And here's the great news. Is that I get to be first in line for my payment. Because the last will be called first. As you stand with us. I don't ever... I gave up that number one status a long time ago. You know what? One man writes this. He says, sometimes, I know in sports, we have young people that are pursuing sports and different things. I, I just hope that you pursue God more than you pursue sports. But one author writes this. He says, you know, He says, sometimes, he says, you don't have to worry about being number one all the time because there's always someone better. He says, sometimes it's the other guy's success, not your failure. There will be those days when the opposing pitcher is throwing heat and everyone strikes out. It isn't because that you are not successful or that you are not qualified. It's just simply because somebody's having a better day than you are. Simon Sinek writes in his book, The Infinite Game, he says, traditional competition 
forces us to take an attitude of winning. He says, but a worthy rival inspires us to take on an attitude of improvement. I guarantee you when Justice walked out of that meeting that day and he wasn't, uh, he wasn't the sitting 12th member, I, maybe it was, it, he walked out and he said, okay. He says, man, what, do I, what can I do to improve just a little bit? That guy, Matt, he's on his game today, but that doesn't mean that I won't surpass him tomorrow in my walk with God. Listen, it is your relationship, your qualifier, your qualifier fire getting the abundant life is going to be your relationship with him your experience what have you been an eyewitness of what have you seen in your own personal life I was going to read the 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 uh, parable the, of the king inviting everybody into, the, into his uh, son's wedding, but we don't have the time. But, you know, there was the only qualifier during that was the invitation. That was it. The Bible says it went out to the good and the bad. I personally, I think it went out to the good, bad, and ugly. But that was the only qualifier, either good or bad. They came in. The king went out. He says, he says, he says a guy sitting there, and the, he, doesn't have a, he doesn't have a wedding garment on. He says, dude, how did you even get in here? What, what were you thinking? You see, back in those days, the king, they, they supplied the wedding garments when he came into the door. But this guy felt like he could do things. on. He had an attitude problem. He felt like that he could get on his terms in a right relationship with God. Listen, the only way that you get in the door to this invitation is you got to follow the invite instructions, and that is that you must repent of your sins. You must be baptized in His name because when you're baptized in His name, He puts that new wedding garment on you, and it gets you inside the door. There is no other way to get there. It's his blood wash robe of righteousness that gets you in the door. You've got to be baptized. That man had an arrogance. He was defying royal protocol. He had been called. The end of that says, Many are called, but few are chosen. In other words, what really he was talking about there, he was saying many are invited, but few meet the obedience that it takes for you to get your filthy rags off and put his robe of righteousness on you. That is only through the blood atonement. I believe the end of that story is this. I believe that you read that. I believe because the king's eyes immediately caught the attention of that. Here's what I believe. I believe that Jesus only sees the blood. 
either you got it or you don't got it. Hello. He looks through the blood covering. You either got it or you don't got it. We're going to invite you once again. I know we've already had an altar service here, and we appreciate that. But now we're just going to ask you if you feel led, if you want to come down to the front for a couple of minutes. What time is it? 11.54. We're good. But listen, the choice is yours. The choice ultimately is yours. Matt and Justice they had to make the choice of going to that little meeting. How would you like to have been called to that meeting? Brother Colton, you'll get a chance to meet the district board, right? But how would you like to have been sitting down with, you know, the inner circle and the rest of those boys? You have applied for this position. Oh, man, that's a little bit too much for me. And it says that don't disqualify. Listen to me carefully. Listen to me. We are at a time slot in history where the this kingdom, the gospel, needs laborers. You don't gotta have a license, but you but but the, the master is calling for laborers into the harvest field. He's called you. He's chosen you for purpose, and that is to love him with everything you got and then to love your neighbor. And the only way you can truly love your neighbor is to share the author of love with them. We're just going to open the front here. If you'd like to come for a few minutes, if you'd like special prayer, if we didn't get to you, Previously, we'll be more than we'll be more than happy to pray with you and for you. Amen. Would you come this morning?